Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, December 7th. We are here live. It's uh, it's sort of a free-for-all today. Today's a little weird. Uh, Joel is going to be joining me this morning. Henry wasn't able to make it. We kind of moved trucking technology and efficiency to today because I won't be doing a show tomorrow. We don't have rolling tow today. We still don't have them up and running on the new phone system. Uh, so we will be working on that. Oh, it looks like we are going to get Henry in today. It looks like he can make it. So we're going to jump right into uh, trucking technology and efficiency. You can also just ask us anything today. It's kind of a free-for-all, so we'll mix it up. We're probably going to wrap this up pretty early today thinking maybe uh, 11.30 Central Time, so an hour and a half from now, wherever you have, happen to be, uh, or sooner if we run out of questions. Um, I have two more busy days. I am actually um, parked at Nastic this morning. I moved over here early this morning. I've got two busy days here at Nastic, a busy day of meetings today, and then um, tomorrow I'll be uh, going through the Nest training seeing what that's all about. And then I doubt that I'll be able to pull out of here tomorrow night. I will probably roll out of here very early Saturday morning. And I'm finally going to be pointed back towards the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I'm a little excited about that. I really want to get home. I've been gone almost two months, maybe over two months. I do have one stop in Boise. I'll be speaking at a sales meeting for truckstop.com. Once I get done in Boise on the 12th, uh, I've got about a day home from there. It's about eight hours back from Boise. So it'll just um, depend on how long I am there at truckstop.com. But I should be getting home um, before the end of next week. Looking forward to it. Right around the end of next week, maybe. So uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, we're just going to jump right in. I think we've got both Joel and Hendry. I'm going to bring them both on this morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. All right. There we go. Everybody's here. Or, or I should just say morning. Oh, yours isn't good? <laughs> Mine's been good so far. What? Well, it's good. I got up. I'm on the right side of the grass. But, you know, we, we talk about doing things for efficiency, and to me, the reserve parking is part of that, that... You can plan ahead. You know what you're doing. And, you know, everybody cries that there's, or many people cry that there's a parking shortage. There's not a shortage of parking. There's just a shortage of people willing to pay for it. And you pay for parking, and when you get there and you have to fight around for an hour to get a spot because there's freeloaders in your spot. You know, they got to fix that. I, I, I have said then, many times, I'm with you. If we want better parking in this industry, we should just be willing to pay for it like any other service you need to pay for. I, I don't know why we think parking should be free. I guess we think it should be free because truck stops have always provided it. And then what does everybody do? They complain about the cost of everything in the truck stop. Parking is expensive. Parking for heavy trucks is really expensive. And if we want better parking, yes, we should is. just be willing to pay for it. Yeah, there's no shortage of land to park trucks on. There's a shortage of places to park a truck for free. And, I, you know, it's funny. Anytime I go into a city or whatever in my personal vehicle, it costs me more to park a car than it does a big truck. Uh, of course. And nobody ever says anything about that. Go into any downtown area, you're going to pay to park a car. 
That, that's, I, I don't know why we get so freaked out that somebody wants us to pay for parking. So anyway, you know, that's similar, what got me aggravated. Similar, so that, then they moved me over to a spot ne- next to where the driveway was going out because that didn't happen. So I got to listen to trucks thunder by me all night, you know, and using their jigs because they couldn't <laughs> slow down for the traffic light at the truck stop. So, so that's got me in sort of a mood. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 Henry, that's enough. Don't be raining on our parade. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna just gonna make the point that you know we, we pay to use the highway with heavy trucks because they pound the hell out of the highway, right? We got yeah. the highway use tax and yeah. whatnot, so we we pay for that, but we're not expected to have to pay for parking. That that multi million dollar parking lot just magically appears. It magically maintains itself, and of course, we all know that all of us truckers out here we pick up after ourselves. We don't. We don't uh, litter. We don't leave stuff out in the the parking lot that we're not supposed to. And you know, I, I yeah, I think everybody's got a right to bitch about you know no no free parking. Well, uh, and Joe, 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 you know what? They, the drivers do a lot to support it because I see a lot of them when they take their leaf blower to blow out the back of their trailer <laughs> and all the nails and everything go on the ground. It destroys tires that they have to buy at that. So then they have to go buy them at that truck stop. <sighs> there you, know, you go. You know, and there you go. pull into a truck stop with a lousy parking lot and everybody bitches about it, including me. Somebody recommended I go over to this one little truck stop in Mississippi a couple weeks ago. And they said the ribs were really good. They had good barbecue. And I was hungry and I didn't want to cook that day. And I was going right by it and I needed fuel anyway. So I thought, well, perfect. I'll just go there, grab some fuel. This place was a dump. I mean, the parking mm-hmm. lot was absolutely awful. They had five pumps and only two of them were working. But no, it, it wasn't crowded. So I managed to get in there, get fuel, did get some good rack of ribs. Um, but I also made a mess of my coach in their parking lot. The, the, they didn't have <laughs> potholes. They had ponds. I mean, it, it was <laughs> it was bad. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I'd be willing to pay to park there if they would improve the parking lot. Yeah, you get what you pay for, right? Well, yeah. well you bought fuel, so you ought to have parking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. the margins on fuel are just, are just so good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that and, and you ought to and you ought to give me a shower too and a free coffee and pat me on the butt on the way out the door. It's kind of like yeah, saying, yeah, oh, and why, I bought a truck. Why didn't you throw in a trailer?" No, you bought a truck. If you want a trailer, go buy a trailer. They're two different things. You bought well, fuel that has nothing to do with parking. And just just to add to Henry's point, when they give you the free cup of coffee and a pat on the back, make sure you call me a hero on the way out, or I'm not going to be satisfied. <laughs> because I move America. I'm a hero. If, if I shut down, everybody would starve to death. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, oh. <laughs> so I also... Uh, shit. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about this, but I, I was wondering what this... Bucky's phenomenon was all about. And then I saw that drivers started to complain because they don't allow trucks in there. So I had to see what this was all about. So on the way up here, I there's a big Bucky's. My God, I've never seen so many fuel pumps in my life. I, that place was insane. So I go inside and it's like the size of a Walmart. And I, I was a little excited. 
I'm looking around. They got all kinds of beef jerky. They've got a uh, uh, smoke, uh, like smoked meats. And I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Now, I will tell you, the way they set up their parking lots, don't even attempt to get in there with the truck. I had a tough time getting around their parking lot in my coach. It was tight in a lot of places. So they, they made sure they, they didn't want people coming in there with trucks. But here's the thing. After spending, honestly, about two hours inside that store, I will never go back again. That food they have in there, they produce a lot of their own food or they have it produced specifically for them, is some of the worst processed chemical garbage I have ever seen in my life. It, it makes McDonald's look like health food. Yeah. Well, well, Kevin, you, that's what you have to do when you're serving beaver meat at Buckingham. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to treat it, oh, I guess. I don't know. I, so so I, I, I like beef jerky, and they have all kinds of flavors. And I'm like, well, every package of beef jerky I picked up, one of the first ingredients is MSG. Who the hell puts MSG I, well, in beef right. jerky? You read the label wrong. It wasn't beef jerky. It was beef jerky. Beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, beef, it's beaver meat. It's so all beaver meat. Got it to make it taste good. So, oh, the, shoot. so then I thought, all right, I, I'm going to go over to the, the, where they're smoking the meats. I, they had a pulled pork sandwich. Well, obviously, I don't want the sandwich because I'm not going to eat the bun. And I don't want their barbecue sauce because I couldn't recognize any of the ingredients on there. When you look at the ingredient list for the sandwich, so it's got pulled pork, barbecue sauce, and a bun. I am not exaggerating. You will have to scroll on your phone to be able to see the entire list. I've never seen so many ingredients in one sandwich in my life. <laughs> well, you should feel like you get your money. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing to me is I know why they use all that crap. Because it's cheap, mm -hmm. but you, it, it seems like, sure. how could it be cheap? Just think about the logistics of wherever they're producing this stuff, all of the deliveries of all those chemicals and all that crap and all the equipment to handle it and all the other things that have to happen to make that work. How could it be cheaper? When I used to do food grade deliveries in pneumatic tanks, I used to haul a lot of flour and, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but <laughs> there would be some, some bakeries you would go to, and there was just simply a silo for the flour, and it smelled like bread, and it was pretty straight up at, at some bakeries. And other bakeries you'd go into, literally the outside of that place looked like a refinery. There were tanks and tubes, <laughs> and, and it smelled like crap. <laughs> like, well, and it's like, some of them that would really surprise you. You know, they've uh, got the name for organic or whatnot. Yeah, right. And, and you're like, oh, my uh, goodness, what a uh, – yeah, but I, literally, you would be confused. You would think that you're in an oil refinery and you're at a bakery. That has it's to nuts. be where they were producing this food for Bucky's. <laughs> Most likely. I, I just don't understand uh, how that's cheaper. Uh, yeah, it's wow. You know, I I, bar, I don't know what. But barbecue you know, sauce makes me that crazy. Convert all this beaver meat and beaver pelts into food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <it> just, <laughs> hey, hey, you do. It gets I, expensive, I guess. <laughs> I, I I have a good trivia question for you about this. Where does okay artificial vanilla and artificial raspberry flavor come from? Beaver tails. Beaver beaver anal glands. 
<laughs> lovely. Yes. Lovely. <laughs> and that's just, lovely. That is a true statement. Uh, Yes, artificial <laughs> vanilla and artificial raspberry come I, from you know beaver Honestly, anal glands. I did not know that we had that many beavers in existence to be harvested for artificial ingredients. I thought they were on the endangered species <laughs> but apparently not. Uh, no. So, uh, wow. You know, you just uh, so, barbecue sauce makes me crazy. Because I don't care if you get, like, you might think it's the best name ever, Famous Dave's or whoever, pit masters that put their name on a barbecue sauce. Every one of them, the first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. And then the corn rest syrup, of it is, yeah. is all garbage. Here's the thing. I, I teach yep. people how to make really, really good barbecue sauce, and it takes three ingredients, four maybe. A, a good no-sugar ketchup, and they're fairly easy to find on the market apple cider vinegar, mm -hmm. and molasses. And then throw in a little bit of liquid smoke, and I like a little heat in mine, so I throw in something for heat. You can make the best barbecue sauce like that in four ingredients. And there's no high fructose mm -hmm. corn syrup or sugar anywhere. I... Gotcha. Hey, I got a quick quick one here for you, Kevin. I'm, uh, I have the heaviest load that I have pulled and been able to get axle up. I'm right around 67,000 pounds. Ooh. And uh, I'm axle up. So I'm 14.6 out on the steer. I'm 18.6 on the, on the uh, drive and right around 34. And uh, so they're rolling me into the scales right now. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. In good. real time, we'll see if they're yeah. going to complain about this. <laughs> It sounds like you've got that you're, scaled you're, pretty darn close. Joe, you're on the wide base. You're on the wide base singles now, aren't you, Joel? I am. There is a couple am, of states that you would be overweight on your drive. I'm not sure if this is one of them. That's why I'm interested to see if yeah. they're going to pitch a bitch about this. Does uh, I, so I know we those? Will, we will see. I know those. I know I are one of them. I know those regs are on the books. Do they actually enforce them? Does anybody at the scales even know about that? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have never been popped for it, but um, uh, I've heard of people that have. So Yeah, I haven't heard of it much. Hey, I, Joel, I want to ask you something before I forget. Um, I'll, I should know the answer to this later today. Is, is Volvo producing an engine with an external damper? Uh, you know what? I'll look at mine. I think, I think this one is. I think that I so. Think, I think this is. We had a call on Tuesday, the power hour. Guy had a Volvo. I don't remember all the details. I think it was a newer one. And he had a horrible vibration under power. And we went through uh -huh. all the, are you sure it's under power only? And he said, yeah, if, if I'm, you know, in the throttle, I can feel it. As soon as I let off the throttle, it smooths right out. And I said, well, that's almost always going to be in the engine somewhere. It might be driveline, but it's probably engine. And I said, and he said, damper, and it's got almost 500,000 miles. And I said, no, I said, and even if it is, it, it's internal on the Volvos and there's nothing we can do, but I've never had anybody show up with a significant vibration in a Volvo with an internal damper. So I don't think it's that. I said, if I had to guess, I would say motor mounts. And he said, it, it, it could be. Yeah. Well, it turns out he made it to Pittsburgh power and they were looking mm -hmm. at the engine going, this looks an, like, an awful lot like a damper on the front of this engine. And it's uh -huh. got the grooves cut in it like uh -huh. the DD-15 dampers. 
And so they actually got mm-hmm. the serial number and they, they, uh, they're reaching out to Volvo to verify, but they said it, it really looks like an external damper. But uh, here's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. The front motor mounts were gone. No bolts in the hey, front motor mo- mounts. Yes, motor, <laughs> motor mounts are, are famous on that. And also, you know, we always talk about the overhead and making sure that they have the uh, the plungers adjusted, yeah. that will also create that vibration under power. So those two things are, are very common. Um, even if that is an external mount, here is why a, here's the explanation as to why a Volvo damper will typically last longer than what you'll find on a Cummins. It's because of the journal overlap in the crankshaft. The crankshaft is much stiffer than what's in a Cummins. It has a smaller bore, so it has less G-force every stroke coming down on more journal overlap. So there's significantly less flex and vibration in a Volvo crankshaft than there is in a Cummins crankshaft. And because there's less vibration, your damper's going to last longer. And that makes sense. That's the whole point of the damper. It's absorbing that torsional twisting yes. and the pounding. Yes. So, yeah, if, you, if the engine design creates yep. less, then it makes sense. And it also explains why even past a million miles, I don't really get any complaints yes. about an engine vibration in a Volvo. That's exactly 100% right. And especially when you get into hot climates like Australia, I know Cummins had fits with their stuff trying to get a damper to work over in australia um and you know the volvos especially like with the d16 over there it's just got massive overlap on the on the crankshaft they just don't have that particular problem yeah so it's just something to keep in mind i know a lot of people are like oh how could that possibly bleed why could it last longer it's just the it's the basic engine architecture that you like to talk about all the time Um, a massive crankshaft with a lot of journal overlap, a small bore, and we're not side loading or, you know, thrust loading the the liner. So we have a lot less going on in terms of, you know, really funky uh, uh, energy transfer going down through the crankshaft. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. And the, um, the, I wonder what the issue is with the front motor mount. Sound like it, it's a thing. Uh, this is the first one I've come across. But just the way he was describing it, so, I, I said it, it almost has to be motor mount. Is the truck an eye shift? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think we got into a lot of details on the specs. So if the truck was an eye shift, one of the things that the salespeople haven't got their head around. So when we were putting 308s and gears like that in every truck our default starting gear was like third or fourth gear all the time right and it worked with that rear axle ratio when we started to get down to 264s they never changed the default starting gears in the parameter list and so they would keep it at third or fourth gear and starting in that higher gear with under load would take the motor mounts out also plays hell with the transmission itself you know, guys that will say, oh, the I-Shift will only last 500,000 miles. Well, oh, if you set your defaults wrong, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, something's just, wrong just the if that's, that's the case. Gonna go. Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. So that's what my assumption would be. Probably an I-Shift probably had the wrong default starting gear, took the motor mounts out. Probably also has some issues with uh, the overhead adjustment um, that they probably didn't verify the exhaust plunger. So the combination so, of everything going on there. You know, you're really going to think this truck's a pile of crap, but there's well, there are 
very specific things that you need to address to make that right, and, and then you're just fine. And it's pretty simple stuff. Uh, the, the, it is. Once you it is. know this, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. Uh, it'd just be kind of routine maintenance stuff to keep an eye on. I, I talked to Bruce about this truck this morning, and his recommendation to the owner was we should replace all the motor mounts, all the bolts, all the rubbers, everything, because oh, one, once yeah, why, the front two there, are absolutely. gone, you know you had to put an awful lot of stress on the motor mounts that are left. I, I, you have to believe those bolts yep. got stretched. Yep, yep. If it is an I-chip, have them check that default starting gear and... Uh, if they have the the uh, premium tech tool, they should change that for them to default it to first. Got it. So you don't run into that problem again. Because if you don't, you're just going to take them out again. Yeah, got it. And get the overhead done. All right. Well, that sounds good. Yep. Uh, yep. What else we got going on this morning? We're we're probably going to wrap this up today at eleven thirty Central Time, so roughly a little more than an hour from now. Um, in my final days over here at NASTIC, I got a bunch of meetings today and then some training tomorrow. And then I get to head this thing back towards the Pacific Northwest finally. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You sound like you sound like me here lately running team. I think we've run fifty seven thousand miles in the last ninety days. So <laughs> nice. we've, uh, there you go. Yeah, I, we've been We've been moving some freight, so. Well, I'm I'm beginning to wonder if I do another long road trip like this, if I should hire a driver. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you, you, you getting fed up with your driver, Kevin? I am. I'm ready to fire his ass. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I keep running into too for years now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it, and then. It, it adds. And then the driver threatens to quit all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as much as I want to go home. I'm really not looking forward to the drive back. Normally I do. I'm just not looking forward to this drive. I've got to do it fairly quick. I was hoping I was going to be able to take the long way home, the southern route, and kind of take my time and relax a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't want to be out a whole lot longer anyway, but I don't want to have to run, you know, 10 and 11 hours a day um, right now. But it mm -hmm. looks like that's what I'm going to have to do because I have like three days to get to Boise. Gotcha. So. That's what I run and do. It's funny when you say that with the efficiency, I was figuring it up. If I run slow, it costs me $89 more a week in fuel. But I get home 12 hours quicker because it skips out a 10-hour break. You mean if you run fast? That's, yeah. You yeah, if slow. I run fast. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> it, it makes it hard, $89 for 12 hours. Yeah, well, it is. It, and when there's a real time crunch and, and I've got a time crunch, I, I'll probably run the speed limit. I usually never run over the speed limit, but I'll probably run the speed limit right. most of the way across the country. And normally I run 60 no matter what the speed limit is. But it's just, I, I, you know, that the little bit of time you can make up by driving faster on a trip like this, it's probably going to be worth it. Well, yeah, and, and I really like running 60. If I get ahead of schedule where I can, I'll do that in a heartbeat. I, I would much it's rather so relaxing. Do that. Right, yeah. I, I'm not, and that's why I'm not looking forward to this drive, because it, I've got to drive pretty hard to make it. And, you know, you still have all the other stuff to deal with. I've got, you know, well, I'm not going to do much laundry during that trip. I just did my laundry before I left. But, you, you know, i got to cook. i got to clean up. i got to deal with the coach and... Uh, but most of this is just going to be drive and sleep. I'm not going to be parking anywhere for any length of time. The same way if I do the other 
two runs I have, the one's 3,840 and the other's 3,860, if I run the speed limit, I can get that done. Yeah, yeah. So, not with uh, a whole lot to spare. It's the bad part about having set runs that I got it all figured out. But it's yeah. the good thing hey, so and the bad thing all in one. By the way, they they uh, give me the green arrow through the scales. They didn't roll me around. There three other trucks in front of me, so well, you're a, they didn't have a what's the have a problem with my axolates. Virginia. Well, it sounds like you uh, you scaled that yeah. thing pretty precisely. I uh, always do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you well, know, I'm a geek a, that way, a, right? <laughs> a true <laughs> professional. That's right. That's right. Do you have scales so, on your that, truck? Um, I do have some rudimentary scales, yeah. I was able to, like I said, get axle up, and on this particular round, we're cruising at 62 mile an hour. Uh, the last round I done, the exact same round, I was just heavy enough where the axle came down, um, maybe a thousand pounds heavier. Uh, that round I ran at 10.2. This one with the axle up at 62, I'm at 10.8. And the difference you can tell, it's not the rolling resistance difference because when you pick the axle up, the footprint on the drive tire actually gets bigger. Right. It's the the roll the roll window. Uh, so you do roll further. So there is a rolling resistance difference but it's also you know the the drag on the the, the steels and the the lube that's in the yeah. damn axle yeah. and there's a there's a lot of things going on there as well and uh i get just get some really nice roll windows when i get axle up this heavy and it really really helps the, nice. the fuel efficiency i'm on oh, i'm on it, 81 it, and and it, uh it, it, i can actually do better on 81 with this type of load than i can on flat ground nice well, you know, going into that, I did some testing in the gorge there in North Carolina, and you picked up just shy of a full mod of the gallon lifting the axle up versus down because the twistier the road, you're not dragging that tire sidewards. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that play there that you might not think about uh, when lifting lifting that axle up, but uh, definitely a big deal if you, you use it right. A spread kills you. And you what, a, what also kills you? If you have traditional gearing with a lift axle, you got to remember that gearing keeps the piston speed up, so it takes a lot of that roll window potential away. So as we get our gearing yep. more aggressively downsped, the lift axles become more efficient. And a lot of people just cannot understand that. They just can't get it through their mind. Oh, I got a lift axle, and it doesn't make any difference at all. Well, you're running around on a 325 rear end gear right. versus a 215 in overdrive. So you're not going to see the same difference. And we know that rear axle ratio will cause your truck to accelerate faster. And when you accelerate faster on a 6 by 2 what happens? You get slippage. Yes. And you get tire wear. Yep. And so the combination of no optimization for your roll window and increased slippage during acceleration, guess what? You're probably not going to see a whole lot of difference. Uh, but well, you get the gearing right, and you get everything else right, and it makes a big difference. Well, a adding to that, when I had a, when I was a flatbed operation, my first chair was a spread axle because that's what I could find at the time. I didn't want to spread, but after I had a spread, I really didn't want to spread. And when I switched to having closed tandems, the difference in operating cost there just from the tire scrub made it that my trailer was free in five years. Oh, I believe that. In yeah. yeah. In, in comparison to yeah. operating. I'll, I'll bet. Uh, I, hey, I believe that. 
Hey, I, I, um, first off, I already have a, uh, I already have somebody applying for my driving job. That was pretty quick. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Already, nice, already, nice. Already, actually, they're not even just applying. They say they want the job. So that was. It, uh, this, oh. <laughs> so with, with this position, is this like the NASCAR drivers where they drive the NASCAR trucks that, you know, you got to cook meals and everything and what all, what all comes with that title? Well, I, I'm going to have to think that through. That that's uh, you know laundry and meals. If if I could get those off my my uh, schedule, that would free me up for some more business time as well. So maybe I need a full service Polishing. driver. Yeah. Well, oh, of course you got to keep the yeah. coach clean. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, those NASCAR uh, semi drivers they they do a lot besides drive. That's right. I I think that sounds good. I think we're gonna have to do that. So um, I want to go back to the parking thing real quick. What do you guys think of the truck parking club? You know, I was kind of getting interested in that when I was running solo, but now that I'm running team, I've absolutely moved it. So I really haven't paid much attention to it. But when yeah. I was doing the solo thing, I was gonna, I was gonna start digging into that because I thought, hey, that kind of makes sense. And then, uh, then boom, all of a sudden I'm running team, and I got no need for it. So I, I yeah. guess I don't have an opinion anymore. I haven't. Haven't really yeah. paid attention. Um, I, I, I met I, the guy I, that started it. He was here at Nastic, and he was also at uh, uh, the F3 Freight Waves event. So, uh, great guy. He actually came from the banking industry. Really sharp. They just opened their 200th location. That's that's pretty impressive growth. Well, gotcha. I, I talked to them quite a bit at Nastic. My booth was right behind them. Um, and I had also had had them on a conference call with Trucking Solutions Group prior. And I was real interested, but I guess I don't follow through on that interest because I have my three main <laughs> runs that I got figured out so well yeah, that I, I know where I'm going to park. You know, I, I, I love the idea. And I've said, if you're willing to pay for parking, parking will get better. Now, here's the thing. They already have 200 locations. You have to believe they're being used. And if nothing else, even for the cheapskates who don't want to pay for parking, by having more paid parking options, it will open sure. up more free spots for them. Sure. Absolutely. So it, it's, well, a, a it's a good idea. A quick here, Kevin, if, if, yeah. if I can. Um, so... You know, we have the fuel card through them, and we do a lot of our insurance on the truck um, through Nastic. Yeah. And I wish Alec was here to kind of uh, – these people have been great for us on insurance. Uh, part of my business plan um, is to have more than one truck running, and I'm going to hire drivers because both trucks are going to be in a team operation, probably have three to four when it's all said and done. But I don't want to hire experienced drivers uh, to run in a team operation. My plan is to hire individuals without experience and train them from the ground up. I love and that idea. do a, a very hardcore training process. So my son-in-law is going to be one of, the, one of the first ones to go through this. And obviously, he has to go through a driving school, which he just got signed up for, and then I expect I'm going to have him for probably over six months training him. And they were able to help us source insurance for that. It wasn't easy because most places are like, oh, no experience. We can't right. take it. But right. they were able to help us, uh, you know, realize our business model. So uh, 
great people to work with. They, they've been so, they've been super. The, insur- the insurance yeah. companies no. that they hook us up with sometimes aren't the best to work with, but they really go to bat for you when the insurance company starts to give you a little guff. They are on it, and I mean they are on it, on it, and they solve some problems and take care of business that if it was just us individually, the insurance company would be laughing at us. So, right. um, hats off to them. So. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, back to the sparking thing. Yeah. The one thing I want to clarify, because I end up getting beat up on this different times, I don't think that a driver should ever pay for parking. Uh, An employee driver, I agree. Truck owner. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I'm not saying truck drivers, employee drivers should be paying for the parking. The fleet should be paying for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and you should figure that into yeah. one of your business expenses, and you know, and what you need to charge. You now, know, to, now to I, I I would say this: that if I were the employee driver and my fleet didn't pay for it, there would be times that I would be willing to. If it made my schedule better and my day better, it's not that expensive. I would be willing to pay, but I think the fleet should step up and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. My brother's fleet, they pay for parking. No yeah. no questions asked. If you want to park somewhere, just send them a receipt. They'll pay for it. I love that. So, and, yep. that and and it, yep. it, it is the fleets that could turn this around faster. If the fleets had policies yep. like that, you would see more paid parking options popping up. And, and the Truck Parking Club yep. is a great idea. They go out and contract with places that have lots of space available. Hell, I... I I Absolutely. almost thought about registering our warehouse. We have room for one truck. I mean, we, we could get one truck parked in there, and I, I thought about doing it, and I, I may. I don't know if it's worth it for one truck, but um, that's the kind of stuff they go out and find, places that are already there. They've got space. They don't mind having some trucks in there. Um, hopefully, they've got a plan to manage the damage and the trash, and, and so that doesn't become a problem because we know that has certainly caused issues in places. Yep. You know, I, before we, we're going to get to the calls here in just a minute. So uh, hold on, guys. We've got a bunch of calls. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Nastic since we're, we brought it up and we were talking about it. So I've known of Nastic for probably 20 years. I think I met David a long time ago at the uh, Louisville Truck Show one year. We only talked for a couple minutes and it, we were almost... It felt like we were almost competitors. You know, we, we didn't have a fuel cart or an association, but we certainly have the education, the training, other products, things that they do. Um, and so we didn't really, you know, come to any big plans or anything that time. We had a good conversation. And then there was a year where when I learned about the they do that nest training every month, the training I'm going to go through tomorrow, I reached out to David and I said, hey, you know, we've got a big event we do every year. It's five days. Um, What do you think about doing your nest training there? And he thought about it and he thought he liked the idea. And we just couldn't make the dates and everything work out. So we we just moved on. Those are the only two times I've ever talked to anybody at Nastic over all these years. I didn't know a lot about the company. They're they're. They're, they never advertise, really, other than the show they had on Dave Nemo. But other than that, they don't advertise anywhere. You never see them in the industry really much at all. And I didn't know a whole lot about them. The reason I always talked about them was their fuel card. I mean, how could you not talk about their fuel card? That thing's pretty damn incredible. 
Um, sure. And I never understood how that they could beat the big fleet discounts and just about everybody else. And, and now I completely understand. Um, they have like 180,000 trucks. Sure. And they, fo- they really focused on um, TA. It's one of their big fuel uh, accounts in the beginning. And by focusing as many gallons and trucks as possible at the same places over years and years and years, they become the single biggest buyer in a lot of those chains. And they're able to negotiate the best discount. I mean, it was a pretty incredible system they've built there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I've dealt with David for years. And matter of fact, I spoke at his events. Make sure you say hello to David when you see him for me. But, yeah, it's a great organization. And one of the things I respected about him versus some other associations is he's straight up right from the beginning. He's there to make a profit himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's he's damn good at it. But I, I will tell you what I've learned about David. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I, I we had a couple talks. I almost found him a little... I don't even I want to use the right word, um, not aggressive or overbearing, but but definitely very business minded and, you know, get to the point and, and let's move this on, that, that kind of thing. And I had an impression of him that turns out to be exactly wrong. David Owen might be the one of the nicest, most giving, generous people I've ever met. I, I You would not believe how many people and organizations in his own community that he supports and gives incredible amounts of money to. And his employees are unbelievably happy and loyal. I don't know if anybody ever leaves here. Everybody yes, I talk to has been here yes. for a long time. Yes, they are. Yeah, it's a um, it's a pretty incredible organization. I am w- even more impressed than I thought I was going to be. One thing that I've noticed over the years dealing with business people, when you bump up against somebody that knows what they're talking about inside and out, it's almost like it's built into their DNA. At times, they come across as a bit abrasive because yeah, they're just that- not going to tolerate nonsense and bullshit. And so you get a guy like him and, you know, somebody is trying to ask a question. Maybe they don't know a lot about what they're talking about. They're trying to learn and he'll shoot something down as soon as they'll say it. They're like, oh, well, that was that was nasty. No, it's not nasty. He just knows what he's talking about. And and so, I mean, Kevin, you do that. You do the exact I, same I thing. Some, some right. of these guys call in. They don't know their numbers. It does sound very abrasive and, and yep. very confrontational, but you just don't tolerate bullshit well. It, 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 and and yeah. when you don't tol- you just don't have time. Nobody's got time for it. Right. And so right. you know when somebody's screwing up. You've seen it enough times. You understand where conversations are going, and and so it's almost a good thing when you bump up against a guy like that. There seems to be that little abrasiveness. I always see that as a good sign. This, this guy probably knows what in the hell is going on. You just, well, when you look at what him and what David and Buster have created from starting out on a card table. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the stories of, of what they've been through to get oh, oh this thing God. started. Uh, and, and how they got hey, together. And I'm sure David won't and, mind telling yeah. me telling some of these stories. Do you know how, well, I'll just tell the story, because even if you know how, nobody else is going to. Um so David and Buster both came from Comdata. That's how they got started in the trucking industry. David was a golf pro for years. 
and and then you know couldn't make the tour and i found out what a horrible life most golf pros have they work like 90 to 100 <laughs> hours a week and never make any money and don't have any days off i mean it sounds like a horrible so he, he looked at that and thought you know i'm not going to do this the rest of my life and and i'm probably not going to make it onto the tour itself and make any money so he got a job in sales at comdata he's one of their best salespeople at the time. Um, Buster was there. That's where they met. David leaves Comdata and then eventually gets this idea to start up Nastic. And he wants to get a hold of Buster, but Buster has now left Comdata and David doesn't have any contact information for him. And, and we're going back to like the 1980s. It's not like you could get on, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn and go find somebody. Um, he couldn't find Buster. So he's still working on his idea and trying to figure out how he's going to pull it off by himself. And his wife, Bonnie's at home and she gets a call from a telemarketer. And I don't even remember what the guy was selling, but she's listening. He was selling uh, carpet cleaning. Oh, was it? It may have been. Um, yeah. So Bonnie's listening to this telemarketer on the phone. And all of a sudden she says, is this Buster? <laughs> and it was. <laughs> what are the odds? You know, how weird. Wow. Yeah. So that's how they ended up getting back together and forming Nastic. Wow. That's amazing. They used to meet, they used to have their, the way I understand, they used to have their original Nastic convention was a few people gathered around at the truck stop around a table. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. I'm pretty sure that's how it started. Uh, and now their annual event is an awesome event. I was very impressed with every every part of it. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, very impressive. I've been going to that for like, oh, 14 years or so now. Yeah. Yeah, quite, quite an event. So um, I, we've got some things in the works. I'm pretty excited about some things. I don't want to say anything yet, but uh, I, I think there might be some pretty big things in the works out of this. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. All right. They're definitely an organization that that I believe in. Um, they've done some really good things for us. So, you know, if, if I can help them promote their organization or, you know, get a chance to do something like that, let me know. And uh, and uh, I'm definitely actually, willing because it's, it's an organization that I believe in. I use it. I believe in it. They've worked for me. And uh, uh, so, yeah, let me know. Actually, I have a thought. I can't say too much about it now, but it would, would include um, Alpha Drivers and Henry U as well. Awesome. Yeah, I've got an idea. Awesome. So it's kind of a big idea. Today, right. um, today I've got Alrighty. a lot of meetings. After, that's why I want to kind of cut out here early today because I want to get these meetings in before I got to go. And I, I may have a pretty solid idea by the end of today if it's going to work. Well, just keep us updated, then. Keep us in the loop. Well, the other uh, thing I like about them, yeah, like Joel said, they'll fight for you to help you out and all this and that, but they don't bloviate, we're here to fight for you. Yeah, it, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, you know what was yeah. shocking that I didn't know, even after being here for almost a month, and David and I have spent a lot of time together, we've talked about a lot of things, I didn't realize how much... Um, they spend and, and do in Washington. They don't make a big deal out of it. They're not, you know, putting out press releases every day. Well, we're fighting, you know, Washington over this or that. But but they're pretty active. Um, and 
The difference I find is the stuff they're active in is stuff that I actually agree with. Um, several of the well, other associations, half the stuff they and, fight and, for, I, I don't agree with at all. And, and they'll work with other ones like the Western States Trucking Alliance right. with Joe Rockavat. That's right. Yeah. In, yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Which, you, you know, so I, I'm, Joe's great. Yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I'm a member of, of that, and I don't even go to California, <laughs> but that's where I, a lot of this stuff starts. Yeah, you just you, you just want to support people like that. Here's the other sure. thing that I'm finding: that the the partner companies and the vendors, like um, Joel, you mentioned insurance when when they go out and they they act as a broker and look for different insurance companies that can help you with your specific situation. Uh, what I'm seeing mm -hmm. is that whatever vendors they have, whether it's a, a company that gets the authority or it's the insurance or it's their fuel partners, or they have got such tight, strong, really good relationships with those organizations, and they hold them to the same standard. And, and I think that's what you experienced I, on the I, insurance I, side. Yeah, I, I, will, I, I will tell you on the insurance side that we had shops through some different brokers. We had a broker that we were working with that tried to hook us up with a specific company, could not make things work exactly how we wanted them, and the price was outrageous. And when we got in through um, NASTIC, they were going to the same carrier price was in line and got everything done that we wanted done, and we didn't have to raise a stink to do it. That, so I, they <laughs> they they got their their poop together. They got their poop in a group when it comes to this stuff. There's no doubt. Yeah, they they've got enough clout and and power now that if you want to be a vendor working with them, you're going to be held to a very high standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. All right, we should probably get to some phone calls before we run out of time. Anything else before we grab a call? Hey, just just real quick. Yeah. Um, because I get a lot of questions about this. Hopefully I can make this quick. So most of us are aware that when I got my truck here and went out on my own, I had my direct customer. It was a, a, a furniture producer that I was running direct for with my own trailer. It was white glove service, blanket wrap, rate per mile was, was very, very good. And, you know, now all of a sudden I'm pulling a Schneider trailer and people are losing their friggin' mind, you know, <laughs> oh my God, why would you do that? And what'd you do to piss the furniture company off? I'll tell you what I was looking at and why I made this move. So this is a smaller furniture company. It, it is very well established, but I'm looking at the economy going, hmm, you know, things look to me like they're going to get pretty bad. And as much as I love working with the furniture company, you know, I'm a one-truck operation, and if something were to happen to them, that's going to take me down. So Schneider, in my book, is a, is a flight to safety. What I found out after I got working for them, and I figured I was really going to take it on the chin rate-wise. Now, my rates aren't quite as good, but I run way more miles. Everything's drop and hook. I don't have any waiting time, hardly at all. Very few deadhead miles. And what I've learned is they keep track of all your deliveries, all your times. And if you're over 90% on your pickups and your deliveries, all these magical doors start to open up with all this magical freight that's not on the load boards. No. And D come on. This, you, it, this it, sounds like a truck driver story. About building a relationship. It has been 
damn good. And, you know, I was chatting with my brother, and he's got, like, the world's best poker face when it comes to this shit. <laughs> you can throw numbers in front of him, and you cannot tell what he's thinking. And I laid this stuff out. You can see that eyebrow go up and a little smile get in his face. He's like, that, that's all right. So, um, yeah, it was just pretty cool. I, it, the experience over at Schneider, you know, it, it, to me it was first and foremost a flight to safety. I was afraid that if things got really bad in the economy that – you know, people are just not going to buy furniture. And as good as their rates were and as good as that company has been to me, I was a little nervous. And uh, at some point, I will probably start to run furniture again in the future once I understand what's happened with the economy. But I'll tell you, this has been great for my little company. Um, they've been Schneider's been great people to work with. The rates are way better than what people would expect. And I know they're going to go right onto the their their app and look at rates and they're going oh these suck well, yeah, some of, of it does right but there is right. a lot of stuff that you don't see and then a, a shocking amount that they're not even going to offer you till they understand that you're going to deliver their stuff on time and you're going to represent the company well then it, the doors start to open up but um it's been it, good the rate per mile not quite as high but you know we're doing furniture there's a lot of stops and starts you know there's 30 drops per load. Maybe I was running 110 to 120,000 miles. You know, a year we're probably going to go 250,000 as a team. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, there's not that big a delta in the rate. So That's... you can just imagine what that does to the bottom line. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you told us. You, know, you bring up some of those bad rates. And, you know, they're out there. And they are. The reality of it is sometimes the lowest rate per mile is your most profitable run. If all of your fixed costs are covered, that low rate was there because there wasn't much freight in that area or whatever it may be. And when I had owner-operators leased to me, I had the hardest time with them, like when we get up to Massachusetts with a flatbed. We made killer money going in. All the fixed costs were covered. Whatever you got was pure profit. Well, and, and mm -hmm. also look at, you know, which load's going to take me how many days before I get it off. If, if, if it adds a day, then the rate isn't as good as it looks. So there's a lot of nuance there, too. Joel, right. I'm, I'm glad you told this story for two reasons. One, that, that nuance of running the business and actually walking away from a customer that it, it, it like you said, on the surface, everybody looks at you. Why would you do that? But but you're thinking ahead. You're looking around the corner. What's coming next? And I want to be prepared for it. That's just good, smart business. And then the idea of pretty quickly, it didn't take you long to get into that preferred status at Schneider and start getting access to better stuff. Well, and, and the, other, the other part of this equation is, too, you see, the, you see the elephant hunters out there. They want that $4 a mile rate, and they double down on that as we're going into bad times. And right. here's what I've learned over the years. If it seems too good to be true, it typically is. Yeah. Um, so when, when everybody else is shit, there's $4 a mile rate, there's a good chance that your money's going to be paid slow or you're not going to get it at all. And then what good is that $4 a mile rate? Account receivable with Schneider. A lot of stuff we submit in the morning that afternoon, it's hitting the bank account. I never have to worry, am I going to get paid by this guy? Yeah. And when I was doing stuff on that for my backhauls off furniture, uh, we got smoked once or twice, and some of it was slow pay, 
And you know what? I, I don't want to play that game. Right. And uh, this allows me to focus on my efficiency because I just do not have to worry. Are they going to take it? And we've got an internal broker, and, I mean, she is on it. She, is, she knows where we're going. She's throwing options at us. Uh, she knows what we like to do now. She knows what we're looking for. And I, I'll tell you, it literally, and I know this sounds cheesy, but it's like work, working with your family with that with uh, that's this particular awesome. broker. She yeah. is awesome. That, that, oh, my God, is she good. Yeah. That's fantastic. So since yep. we're on that topic, I, I'm gonna, I, I was going to hold this by the time I do another show, because this is my last show till Monday at least. Um, I, I'm going to throw this out there. So I, I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but the SBTC. Joel, are you familiar with that group at all? No. Small Business Trucking Coalition. No, I, 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 I see. I, I don't know who they are for that crap. Yeah. I, so, you know, you hear some of the goofy nonsense that comes. I just don't you, have time. You, you want to really hear? Don't. You want to hear goofy nonsense? So he's he's had something for me for a couple of decades. I have a long history with this guy. Uh, I'm not going to go through it mm -hmm. all, but. Uh, I've gotten more cease and desist letters from attorneys and uh, just for saying stuff online. <laughs> I mean, it is so ridiculous. Uh -huh. So this time, uh, the, the group got pissed off. I'm not exaggerating. They posted over, posted and reposted over 40 times, and they tagged everybody you could imagine, the multiple mm -hmm. FBI offices, the Capitol Police, 17 different congressional representatives, local police departments, and they, the post was, Kevin Rutherford needs to be arrested for his comments to the congressman, which was almost three years ago now. It, they just went through this huge campaign. They posted it everywhere. Uh, Facebook, geez. Twitter, everywhere. Tagged well, they got everybody. you now, Kevin. It, they, got you, they got you now. Yeah, yeah. At one point, one of the posts was, so where does Kevin have that RV park now the FBI wants to know? Seriously, they, they, uh -huh. talk about stupid shit. Uh -huh. So here's their, here's their big beef. They are making a hard push for broker transparency. And I am very outspoken against it for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. One, it's anti-business. Mm -hmm. It's anti-American. Mm -hmm. it, no, nowhere mm -hmm. in business do we require anybody to show profits to somebody else. That's part of the transaction. Mm -hmm. that, that is so anti-business, I don't even get it. Now, look, I understand that the regulations still exist. But if you go back to when it got started and why it got started, it's just a stupid leftover. It, it doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense in today's world, and it shouldn't be there. And as long as everybody was ignoring it, who cares if it's still there? But it's still there. They're making a big push. So the other day, they actually posted. Now, I'm not sure how much of this is true because you can't get any details out of them. They posted that they, mm -hmm. they were able to get Pete Buttigieg... And the FMCSA to force TQL to show a rate confirmation to a carrier. Some carrier they're calling okay. Pink, Pink Cheetah or something. It's, it's some woman-run carrier. I don't know anything <laughs> about them. Other than somebody went and did some digging. And, oh, well, here's what they claimed. They claimed once they saw the rate confirmation from TQL, that, and they were very specific about their wording. 
They said TQL only paid the carrier 56% of the rate. Now, first off, okay. my, my first thought is, so what? Who cares? Yeah. That the, the carrier negotiated the rate, accepted the rate, and hauled the freight. Now they want to see the details afterwards, which I've never understood why. It's already done. You accepted right. the rate, move on. So, but if you think mm-hmm. about it, why didn't they say that the um, the broker kept 44% of the rate? They didn't say that. Mm-hmm. They specifically said the broker mm-hmm. paid 56%. It was a okay. reefer load. So my guess mm-hmm. is there's a big lumper fee in there somewhere. Oh, uh, most likely. Yeah. Because if, if you, yep. then you can accurately say they paid 56%. But if there's a big broker fee, you can't actually say they kept 44. Right. right. So right. immediately right. people that's, that's said, exactly right. well, well, let us see the details then. If you're claiming this is, and they're trying to claim this is the norm, that this happens all the mm-hmm. time that these brokers are keeping 40 plus percent of the rate. We know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Ask anybody in a brokerage. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even close to being true. But- that's what mm-hmm. they're trying to claim, but they won't show any of the details. And they claim, well, it's it's confidential. If you want to see it now, you can file a, a Freedom of <laughs> you know Information Act with the FMCSA. Yeah. But we're not going to show you any of the details. But that's so, then we find out that this pink cheetah express looks a little odd. They've got a, mm-hmm. I may get some of the details wrong here, but I think they have a, a mailing address in New York and a physical address in Florida. I, I, mm-hmm. I just There's just some things you start looking at. And it looks to me like their, their authority was only intrastate. I'm not sure if I'm seeing that correctly. And as of now, their authority has been suspended for quite some time. <laughs> So my first question to Pink Cheetah Express is, why did you take the load if you didn't like the rate? Exactly. I, all of the rest of it is that's, all that's, bullshit that's anyway. This, why right? Why are we even talking about it? That's exactly right. If you don't like the rate, don't take the load. Bottom but, line, that's I, all you need to know. It seems so simple. Why, why do we have to even talk yeah. about this or argue? And I don't even want to talk about the other details. Was their authority active? Why do they have two different addresses? Was there a lumper fee? I, I don't care that they got that the broker got forty four percent. If they did, too bad. That's yeah. business. So sometimes, sometimes my uh, my broker and in, in, internal broker at Schneider will call me and she says I, I need help. And I say, okay, what you got? And she's got some short little bump, and the rate is just garbage. You know what I mean? But because she takes care of me, I said, well, if you need me to run this, I'll take care of it for you. So I'll go take care of it for her. A lot of people are going, oh, you're the, you're the most evil son of a bitch that ever was. I will tell you, when I help her out with that one load, I am going to get 10 or 12 super loads out of her. Yeah. Because we were willing to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take care of this for you. It sucks, but you know what? It can't all be good all the time. That's how business and, works. You know, people with that expectation are just ridiculous. And I will tell you. I actually hope that the companies that I work for, haul loads for, are are making a lot of money on these. Yes, I don't want them going broke. I don't want them teetering on the edge. Make all the money you can. If your rate works for me, I'll haul your load. I don't care how much they made on the load. The more, the better. 
you know? I, I couldn't agree. I, I, now, I, 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 honestly, I honestly don't. Now, I, I, and these guys that freak out about it, why? I, I, yeah. Well, well, both of you guys are familiar with brokered freight from the other side, from the broker side. You know what the typical rates are. You, you win some, you lose some, you actually lose yep. money on some of these brokered loads. That happens. The average margin for brokers for as long as I've been checking the records is somewhere between 14 and 16%. Always has been. There's several sources yep. of this number too. One is, and as soon as I mention this, they all freak out because one is that the TIA does a survey of all their members every year and they publish all of these numbers. What's the gross rate they're getting? What's the net they're getting? What are their business expenses? Like a good association should, right? That, that's what associations should be mm -hmm. doing. Helping you run your business better and showing you how you compare to everybody else. Now, granted, all those numbers mm -hmm. are voluntary, but why would yep. anybody lie about them? What purpose would there be to a broker responding to a survey from the TIA, what purpose would there be to lie to them? Well, Kevin, you know that's easy. I've you. heard them say it. That's how they control the freight market. Come on. I'll be completely honest with you. If I had that list set in front of me and I saw one broker was only making about 8% and another was making 22%, but I looked at the rate to me, and if the rate to me was roughly the same, I'm going with a guy that's making 22% because I go. know his business is going to be financially stable. There you He's go. going to be around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not, yeah, I mean, so, this, is, this is just pure but, stupidity for the most part. It, I, I don't understand it. Now, you know that there's this disconnect between, you know, employee drivers and wages, and this kind of all gets muddled together. I'm the first guy that's going to stick up for employee drivers and the overtime and everything we talk about. Right, but right. I'm also going to be the first guy that pushes it back against an owner-operator that's demanding all this nonsense. Because you know as well as I do, what will happen is the government's going to take over, and then you make no decision. Government tells you what to do, you go do it. Yep. And you think there's corruption now? Wait till you have to grease a politician's palm to get a load. <laughs> then you're going to see corruption. Well, and then there's another source to go find this number. If you take the biggest brokerages, the ones everybody complains about the most, they are publicly traded companies and they are required to sure. report their numbers every quarter and every year. And you can go look, anybody that wants to can go look up their entire financial picture and see exactly how much money they take in, how much money they spend in every category. And when you go look at the big brokerages, they fall right in line with the 14 to 16%, just like the survey yes. from the TIA. Yes, yes. No, I, I, so, I agree with you. It's just, so, I, you know, the big problem, I think, is that in our industry, most owner-operators and small carriers are rate chasers, yep. and they live and die by the rate. Right. They don't concentrate on efficiency, whether it's the efficiency operationally in terms of the truck or their bookkeeping and, you know, internal in, in the back office. You have to take care of that stuff. When you take care of that stuff and you're an efficient operation across the board, these rates are not as big a deal as what that's you know, right. the rate chasers are, so, you know, it is a big deal to them because they live and die by it. And I understand well, why they're complaining. No, I do, too. They just concentrate on their efficiency. 
this all goes away. Well, you forgot the it's just, dynamic. It's just bad business on their part. Yeah, you forgot the dynamic duo. We call it chasing the rate and one and done. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna deal with a broker one time more than likely, and then they're done. They move on to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, it's just it's to me it's having watched us for decades in the trucking industry. You know, we've learned uh, to survive and thrive in downturns. And I can tell you right now, rate chasers, they're, they're the ones that always struggle, yeah. always. They live yeah. large for a while, and, you know, and they're laughing at everybody. And hey, oh, I got it, and I put it over on that broker. And if I don't get five bucks a mile, I ain't starting my truck and yada, yada, yada. And it's all great in, when things are good. In but reality, the second they turn bad, look what, they're, look what they're doing. They're crying to the government. Please come save me. I can't operate my business. Please, government, save me. Yeah, you know, and the, and the guys right. that were making fun of the current administration just a little while ago when rates were high, now, now they're, they're begging, begging them up. for help. Yeah, that's just amazing, yeah. absolutely well, amazing. With everything both of you know about how all this works, what do you think the odds are that the very first rate con that the FMCSA demands somebody show to the carrier turns out to be a forty-four percent margin? Come on, <laughs> really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're supposed to believe uh -huh. this. Now show me 10 then. Show me 10 rate cons from the same. You know, are you going to cherry pick them all? And and does this rate con even exist? I I'm starting to wonder if this even really yeah. happened. Yeah, my and, personal opinion, I don't even care if it does. Me either, that's right. Mean doesn't change anything to me. one load right. out of how many loads that are shipped in a year. Yeah. So what does it mean? Yeah. Well, right. it circling nothing. the wagons back around to what we were originally talking about, these same people also want the government to fix their parking problem. Exactly right. <laughs> when it'll uh, be five years before the government gets around to any kind of solution on parking, and yet we've got private companies that and, and individual drivers and owner-operators who have already figured out the parking problem, and it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. All right. We better get I'm to some phone you. calls. Um <laughs> We went down a rabbit hole there. It's kind of fun, though. Let's go to Nevada. Ron, you're first up today. What's on your mind? Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, I wanted to talk about Joel Salatin, uh, the Road Food Conference. And, uh, I okay, I, I uh, read his latest book. It's great. Yeah, it is. The Homestead Tsunami. Yeah, I Homestead love that book. Tsunami. Yeah, but, okay, first I want to talk about books, because I know how you like to read. I like to read, recommend books. Yes. But, you know, there just aren't that many good ones, not like Homestead Tsunami. And I'll tell you why. It's because these, here, here's the book that I, well, I've noticed it a couple times now, and and finally I got, I nailed the problem. Okay, you know uh, books like Peter Zinn, The End of the World, is yeah. just the beginning. Okay, and there's another one uh, I read. Well, I didn't finish it. Control a Gark. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of that one, but anyway. They're written by gay men, and they don't—they never admit they're gay guys. So you read the whole book, and here is worthless opinion, and uh, 
hey, if I knew the guy was gay, I never would have bought the book. You know what I mean? No, actually, I don't. And I got to tell you, okay, I'll tell you why. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been a truck driver. I use Las Vegas for my home base. All the sex trafficking, trafficking that goes on in the United States is done by gay men. No, it's not. Okay, Ron, come on. Yes, it come is. On. I, I, I'm I, telling you. No, it's I'm not. I'm telling you a fucking fact. No, it. No, Ron. <laughs> you're. You know, you're usually much more level-headed than this. Have you been drinking today? Hey. I don't drink. I haven't drank for 20, 23 or 24 years. No illicit no, drugs. I'm, not dr- I'm telling you that that's what that's there. Ron, Ron, I, come on. There, there, there are okay. plenty of heterosexual people who are engaged in sex trafficking as well. And, and I've got to tell okay. you that I, I don't no. care who people sleep with or who they are attracted to. Okay. To me, they're humans and we're all basically the same. There's some good people who are gay. There's some bad people who are gay. There are good truck okay. drivers, okay. bad okay. truck drivers, blah, blah, blah. brokers okay. who are criminals. Hey, hey, but I, I know all that shit and I'm tired of hearing about it. Okay. The sex trafficking is done by gay men. Well, it's of course, some of it is, of but, but there are plenty of heterosexuals that do the exact same okay. evil. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll start at the beginning. Okay, you well, know well, hold, hold, on. Hold, is, hold on, right? hold on, hold on. You know who uh, no, Jay no, no, so, so, Hoover hey, is? Hey, Ron, I, I know I said it was a free-for-all, but we're not going to do that today. I, I've, I'm a little short on time today. I want to get to some stuff that matters. Call me on Monday. Monday's another free-for-all, and I'll let you rant about J. Edgar Hoover and gay people or whoever you want to talk about. Um, let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Back to trucking. Back to trucking. Um, so I got, I got a couple of comments, and then I have two questions for Joel. So the fuel and the parking, I can equate it to milk and cookies. Oh, pay for a milk and you get a free cookie. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> pay for fuel and you get a free parking spot. But all of a sudden, one day, here's your cookie, but now it's a dollar. I don't want it. I'm not taking it. You've just been giving it to me for that long. You just need to keep giving it to me. And that's exactly where we're at. I, People I, don't want to pay for shit. I will if you tell give you, it to them for free for long enough, they expect it. And, and you yep. know what has made that significantly worse is the Internet. Everybody thinks everything on the internet should be free. You, you should just give it away. It's and on the true. internet. Yeah. Free shipping. Free yeah. shipping. You're free right. everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and in reality, I, nothing I, is free. If, if any company that offers free shipping did away with their free shipping, they would be able to lower the price on their products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I haul all these vehicles for free, but I get paid really good for loading and unloading them. <laughs> so, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Let, let, let's go back to when the parking free started to be given away. And, and I did a lot of studying on this. And after 1980, when the industry deregulated, the carriers literally started using the truck stops as their terminals to stage trucks, more so than they ever did before. I did. Because prior to 1980, a lot of the freight moved through hub and spoke. Right, right. And, yeah. and, 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 and let's go back, also go back to that time. Back then, the majority of the trucks didn't even have sleepers on them. The truck stop restaurants were full 
Yep. There, now uh, they're a ghost town. A lot of times there was a facility hotel. Needs paid for. A lot of things changed, and carriers using terminals or truck stops as a free terminal. You, you know that road had to run out to an end because most of them are sitting on pretty valuable real estate that could be used for something else. My first broker yeah. office look at the, was... Look what uh, happened to the PA in Nashville. Yeah. Exactly. My, my, uh, my first yeah. broker office was a hotel room that we moved all the hotel furniture out of, and I moved in office furniture, and it was at a truck stop. And remember how common that used to be? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yep. And it, <laughs> same it, way with speaking with the banks of phones too. Remember? Yeah, and and oh, one of the God. reasons was we we did a lot of trip leasing, so I had magnetic signs, and when I booked a load with somebody, they would come to the truck stop, sign the paperwork, we'd give them their magnetic signs, and off they'd go. Yeah. Speaking of the lack of sleepers on on the trucks back in the day, so my grandfather and Kevin, you'll probably recognize Narwhal for our Narwhal truck lines. Oh, absolutely! He drove for yeah. Narwhal truck lines, and yeah, and they they slept in bunk houses. Yes. He, his original run was Narwhal to Boston. It took a week to get out, a week to get back, <laughs> and there were there were bunk houses along the way, and then he yeah. ended up doing the run out to Phoenix, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah, they just rolled him in. He'd sleep in a bunkhouse. Somebody else would jump in the truck and take it. And then yep. when another truck, you know, would come back through, they would. <laughs> that's how that shit worked. That They'd was seat everybody every which way. That was serious yeah, slip seating. Yeah. <laughs> remember how serious some of the people used to get about their TB radio, AM, FM, eight tracker cassette player combo that they would <laughs> oh, yeah. carry and plug into the truck. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So some of them absolutely. were pretty elaborate. Yep. So. Those uh, guys in Aussie running Cummins, like the ones that work in Western Australia in the mines and the dust and all the mm-hmm. outback shit, mm-hmm. if they can get to half a million kilometres, so 300,000 miles before it needs a reboot, they're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll count that as a bonus because, and a lot of them, they're rebuilt at quarter of a million kilometres because if they're running at 480,000 pounds and the a lot of the time it ends up just getting dusted because of the dust. So the cost of trucking over there is rather expensive, but they know how to move product. Now, right. the the VNL turbo compound, can I get that technology in a day cab truck? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. One step closer. Yeah. So that load you're on now, when you got an axle mm-hmm. up, Mm-hmm. What tire pressure do you run in your wide single? Are you up like one thirty or something, or to carry the weight? Yeah. Yep. 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 So your your lift axle, do you run that at a lesser pressure or? I do. I, I have that down around ninety pounds. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> okay. That's all I got. I'll carry right. on. Let the next man in. Thanks. All right. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Maryland. Jeremy, welcome. Hey guys, I'm sure you've talked about this before. Uh, doesn't it seem like no matter what you're pulling, like say you start out a travel trailer and with your personal vehicle or even our trucks, we only get 10 miles to the gallon regardless. Like even the F or the 350s, the 250, 1500 trucks, if you pull something, don't you? Doesn't it seem like pretty much just get 10 miles to the gallon? You know, it, I it, don't well, know. My well, my dad had a my dad had a suburban, 
My dad had a Suburban with a 450, or not a Suburban, it was a one-ton dually with a 454 and a three-speed with 456 gears. Oof. We had a 42-foot fifth wheel, and it got four miles to I gallon. was going to say, <laughs> that had to be awful. A three-speed <laughs> transmission. Yeah. Oh, three oh. Uh, yep. Oh, yep. Oh. So, <laughs> so when you talk about the the, the one ton dualies and all that, and I, I get a kick out of talking to the hot shots and seeing where their fuel mileage is, and I'm beating them with a semi. But a lot of the problem comes into the because I found from just being behind somebody, not tailgating them, the best thing I can follow besides a car carrier for fuel mileage is a great big fifth wheel camper behind a one ton dually. They must do something awful terrible to the air because they open up a <laughs> giant hole in front of them. Yeah, and I just see my fuel uh-huh. thing just go yeah. off to the right. Yeah. Matter of fact, hey. I'll run a little faster to stay behind them because they break such a big hole in the air. And, and I don't know why that and the fact that per pound, they are actually way overpowered. Like incredibly way overpowered, and, and these, these new one-ton doys have more horsepower and torque than the first semi trucks I drove that moved eighty thousand pounds. You, you know what they're missing though? Oh, the the okay. truck and the fifth wheel that they're pulling—they could all use better brakes. Well, they got really yeah, good brakes that, on the truck. The trailer's just well, non-existent. Well, and, <laughs> and, the, and, the, the part that most people miss on these one-ton trucks, and we. Kevin, you talk about like the durability in the engine's not quite there, and and Henry's made the made the point that they have more horsepower and torque than the engines that we started out with in big class eight trucks. Yeah. What the the key part of this that everybody's missing that nobody talks about that I talk about all the time it's the piston speed required to make that horsepower and torque. They have to run much much higher piston speed, which results oh, yeah. in a whole lot more parasitic <clears throat> drag. Wears the engine out faster. So while it is capable, is it the most efficient way of doing it? Absolutely not. Uh, very good point. And add, so, add, add to that, Joel, most, in most cases today, they have to have four-wheel drive yet on top of that. So they're turning a front differential. Even though it's not engaged, sure. they're turning it. Yeah. And, sure. and, yeah. and I'm like, it's a highway truck. Yeah, right. well, matter of fact, I can't even <laughs> understand the phenomena of why so many vehicles are four-wheel drive today. It's like you're in Florida and you got a four-wheel drive. Where are you going? Yeah. I, so it's interesting yep. okay. we got onto the hotshot thing. Um, I, I was here at Nastic the other day, and they got a call from somebody who is a member, and they were just looking for some advice. And... Um, David asked me, he said, hey, would you mind talking to this woman? She called me the other day, and I didn't have a lot of answers for her. Would you mind talking to her? And I said, no, not at all. Let's call her. So turns out this woman is an engineer by trade. She has a a small business of her own. And I never really asked why. Well, she kind of said it was to help somebody out, a friend, I think. She bought um, a pickup and a hotshot trailer and put this guy in business in it. He, she owns everything. She's paying him, well, she was paying him as an independent contractor, which I had to inform her was incorrect. You can't do that. And, and I'm a stickler for that because I love the independent contractor model and I hate the fact that it's under attack everywhere and the groups that want to attack it will always point out the people who are doing it wrong. So when I find somebody doing it wrong, I always make it a point to tell them 
that your driver is not an independent contractor. You should not be paying them that way. They're employees. And she was fine. She said, look, I, I, I just didn't know. I asked other people and they told me it was okay. And I said, well, it's not. Um, and then I went through the, the numbers and the reason she was calling is she's not making any money. And I, I said, um, look, I, I'd love to help people be more profitable, but we've got a real problem here. I, I don't think I can make you profitable. The, the, the hotshot market is, is a really, really tough market in any economy. In a bad economy, it's a disaster. And when you read the paper and all these people are getting laid off, some of those people already own a pickup truck. And guess what they go do? They can't find a job, yeah. so they go get into the hotshot market. It's so easy to do. And I said, because of that, in tough times, the rates are going to be absolute crap. And you're going to have to figure out how to make it with those rates. And you really can't with the driver in the truck. I said, the best you can hope to do in the hotshot market is create a good job for yourself. And a good job is is difficult and in, in bad times you're lucky if you can throw off forty forty five thousand dollars worth of profit out of one of these and I, I i you know i got talking to her and she said well you know i don't i don't really need the money she said i'm fine i was really trying to help this guy he needed a job and i said well i said you know and she has a profit and loss and everything i said send me your numbers i'll look through it but i'm not very encouraged that there's going to be a whole lot we can do here and she's getting like nine miles to the gallon on this thing, which we could do way better than that with a tractor. I said, the maintenance is going to kill you on this thing. You're going to go through tires and brakes and, and just all kinds of maintenance costs. I said, this, this is just a bad business model. Uh, not only that, Kevin, most of them are geared horribly wrong. It, right. Well, that's what Joel was just talking about. They're in town, not out on the highway humming along. Yeah, it, it, and they've got that crazy high RPM, crazy piston speed because they're trying to make up for a lack of power and torque with, with gearing. And it, it's it's just, it's a, not a good business model. And to think that you could own one of these things and put a driver in it and make any money is kind of crazy. And the barrier to entry means you're going to have a lot of competition that's going to undercut you. Tons. Tons. And like I said, when times go bad and people get laid off, many of them already own a pickup truck. They don't even have to go buy something to get into business. They might need a trailer. How cheap are those? Uh, <laughs> that's I, not a big barrier. I was so lucky. And when I was first looking to get in trucking way back on my own, I had the opportunity to where I was looking at. Do you remember Morgan Driveaway? Yeah. Yep. But fortunately for me, the one person I worked with at the chicken plant where I drove truck, his wife worked at Morgan Driveaway, and she said, "You don't want to do this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. All right. Let's uh, let's That's go back and with four fifty fours and four sixties. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're going to go question. back to Maryland. Hey, Jeremy, I put you on hold because you were really noisy in the background you, there. Sorry about that. I got a question then, I guess. Uh, so would you guys just pull, if you were going to pull a travel trailer once in a while, would you just pull it with your personal vehicle, your Toyotas or whatever you have? Um, uh, or would well, if, it was if, or if you were going to, what would you pull it with? If it was how, an occasional thing? How big a travel thing? trailer? Yeah. Uh, it, it, almost regardless. Right. If it's a... If it's right. a 
an occasional an occasional trip with a travel trailer, use your personal vehicle because yeah. it's just an occasional trip. Right. Now, if you're serious about this and you're going to get out on the road with it, go buy yourself a Class 8. And, and let me tell you about that. Uh, if you're not going to go buy a high-end trailer or high-end fifth wheel, don't bother because if you're going to put that many miles on something that it's worth doing it with a Class A truck, you're going to replace that fifth wheel or that trailer every two years. They're yep. junk. They right. just don't Let's hold up to those kind of that. miles. For, for a while, I didn't have a pickup truck, and I needed a pickup truck, but I didn't need a pickup truck enough to go in debt to buy a pickup truck. Yeah. And, and I made a little be- I made a little bed that I put on the back of my truck, and I'd use that to go to Lowe's. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. I, I took my semi well, in. Yeah. I went to. Uh, I remember when I picked up a couch the one time that I had bought, and they said, "Do you need us to deliver it?" No, I, I didn't need to pay the delivery. I had a fifty-three foot trailer there to put it in. Said, <laughs> That's wow, right. You got enough space. That's right. But but you know to go ten miles, it wasn't that big of a deal to take my semi truck. It wasn't worth buying a thirty-five thousand dollar pickup truck at the time. Exactly. Jeremy, does that help? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you guys like Toyotas? <laughs> I, 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 I got a Toyota. I do. Yeah, I have yeah. one too, and I like it a okay. lot. And Henry, I have a Jeep. Okay. I have so a Jeep like Wrangler, a and I have a, a, a 3.6 liter, and and. My semi often gets better fuel mileage than my Jeep, but fortunately, in the last year and a half, I was just looking at that. I drove 2,500 miles in my Jeep, so it don't really matter. Doesn't matter much. <laughs> I see. All right. And same like with my tra- Jeep. Okay. I, want, I wanted a pickup again, but I looked at pickups, and they were expensive. Yeah. So I, I bought a utility trailer I put behind my Jeep. It does everything the pickup truck would have done. Okay. All right. Yeah, I definitely don't want to overpay, but uh, how long do these trucks last? Cars and trucks last two hundred fifty thousand, or just what, if they break, what, just fix them. What kind of truck are you? What kind of truck are you talking about? If you're talking about a diesel, oh, just Ram. No, I'm talking about gas. You know, a Ram, a GMC, a, to, you know, a Toyota. Definitely, if you well, stick with it. Toyota, I, I, there's a lot of quality there, but I, I think just about any truck today, if you took care of it, you could get 200, 250,000 miles out of them. Here's one of the things to, to, to keep in mind, though, when you're talking specifically about a, a smaller diesel engine, and we've been putting together the relationship between you know, piston speed and emissions and whatnot. Just keep in mind these smaller diesels run at higher RPM. They have to to make the horsepower and stuff that that they are capable oh. of. So you you will tend to see more emission issues on these smaller engines, diesel engines that are just driven around for for joy because you're not you're not putting any load on them. They're not under load, so they're not working hard to get hot. They have relatively high piston speed and. Yeah, um, that's a good point. There's there's opportunity for for issues there. So, um, so if it were me, and I'm if I'm looking at a personal pickup truck, I bought a gas. I'm a diesel yeah, guy, okay. but I bought a gas because I didn't want to put up with a headache. Yeah. Because it, it's look, my girlfriend drives it. She takes it to the mall. Yeah, right. You know, she's not pulling loads it, with it. I'm not buying a diesel right. for her to go to the mall. Barely she's gets up the temperature. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. So yeah yeah. 
Yep. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to. Go ahead, Henry. Going down that road, Kevin. I remember back, and this is in '79 when diesel pickup trucks started becoming popular, and they did better on fuel than the gas counterparts. And we showed horses back then, my stepfather and mother, and and we put on a decent amount of miles. But when they started, he started figuring out the fuel economy difference, and he could not make it up in the life of the truck. And we got a 460 Ford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's, you know, I like diesels too, but you, you just got to be practical when you look at this stuff. Let's uh, let's go to Colorado. Doug, welcome. Hey, guys. I I didn't realize what <clears throat> what the show was. I came in late and called in. Right. I just had a couple uh, questions on health, but I uh, I can certainly call back another day to get some other no, callers in. No, that's what, we've only got two calls left, yours and one more, and then we're going to wrap up for today. So go ahead. Okay, well, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, you talked about on the pathogens for Western immune, and I thought there was four, but when I look online, I only see three on the uh, capsule, and that's confusing. Is Calm the, the fourth one, the T? Um, say that again. I'm not, I didn't really understand the question. Uh, you talked about the new adaptogens that you have in the capsule for immune. Yeah. To help boost our immune system and stuff. And I, when I look online, I thought you were talking about four of them. And when I look online, I see three in the capsule. No, I think there is only three. Uh, you might be confusing oh. when I talk about the stress protocol. I always talk about four things. Okay. And then uh, or my, my reason for really diving into this, I take the silver uh, spray and the drop. Okay. Uh, the uh, D3, uh, uh, you know, the K3, D2, whatever. Um, I do all that, but we're getting ready to go on vacation uh, in a month, going to Hawaii, two weeks, and I really want to, I don't want to ruin this if I get a little cold on the, on the plane or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so, trying to boost. So here's so what I'm I would. I'm trying to front load 30 days. Here's <laughs> what I would do. Um, and this is what I'm getting ready to do when I get back home. Um, because there does seem to be a lot of stuff going around. A lot of people are getting sick. I, I like to make sure I'm as prepared as I possibly can be. I don't want to get sick. Um, we have something in our store called immune support packs, and that's what I'm going to start on when I get home. The pack comes with, uh, it's got quite a bit in it. It's got vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, selenium, NAC, which is a, a, almost an unknown supplement, which is awesome for your immune system. Uh, it's got five or six other things in it. It, it is a really, really good immune supporting. Um, it's, it's really kind of a, a, a biotic put it together for us. You know, normally we create a kit out of multiple supplements, these packs are already kind of a kit in a bottle. So you just pull out a package and that's your daily and you open it up and you just take everything that's in that package. Okay. All right. Very good. And then uh, on the Carmen watch, I'm looking for, uh, I stay pretty regional, so I'm not really looking for pressure, uh, but I do, I'm, I'm trying to make pictures as you're you're fading uh, out and breaking up, and I know you were talking about the watch, but I'm not getting much. I did a big dip there. Uh, I, I I stay pretty reasonable. Uh, I'm looking for on the Garmin Instinct too. I don't really need the trackers 
my main thing is uh, HRV and, and like that. I want the benefits on the, that are on yeah. the watch. Is it the Instinct 2? Is that the one I should be looking at? Yes. Yeah, and and the other okay. the other thing I actually liked about the Instinct 2 that they didn't carry over into the trucker's version. It's not a huge deal. It's certainly not a deal breaker. But if I were getting an Instinct 2, I would get the solar version. It's actually got a little solar panel built into the face. And um, between the great batteries they have on these things and the solar, I used to go 30-plus days without charging in the summertime. Okay, great. All righty. And then one more, just a comment. I listen to all your shows uh, all the time. If you, at the beginning, promote your store... I have a friend of mine, he just started listening, and he says he has a store. And I went, yeah, yeah, everything you talk about, he has in his store. And, you know, I listen to other podcasts like uh, during hunting season or whatnot, and they always tell about something that they have on sale. Right. And I thought, what a great idea. You always have something on sale. There's always 10% off something or 20% off. If you throw that out at the beginning, you're kind of like your own sponsor. Just food for thought because no, I, I agree with you completely. I need to get better at that. I, I really do. The stores, the stores, and Lisa and the team, they send me this stuff all the time. Hey, why don't you mention this today? And I, I get so focused on the callers and the questions, and I I, sh- I, I should do more of that. You're right. But I, you know, then someone calls out and says, "Oh yeah." I, I couldn't find Cardio Miracle at your store or something like that. Something simple as that. So I ordered it on from Amazon. Yeah. I'm going, come on. <laughs> I'm going to call you and ask for advice, but you're not going to support. I, I, it, it, I just, I cringe at that. It's just, I've got to call Kevin and ask him. Just say something at the beginning. Well, you know, th- good morning. Hey, today. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're right. Thank you. In fact, I am going to take your advice right this minute. Um, right now, I hardly have ever even talked about this product, but I actually like it. As much as I love technology and I've got electronic notepads and I, I got all kinds of crazy technology, I still take the majority of my notes with paper and pencil. I just find that my mind works better and it's clearer and I get more creative and paper and pencil still works for me. So I journal a lot. And we actually took some time a couple years ago, the team did. I I had a little bit of influence on the design and the layout, but we created a really cool master the journey journal. And it's designed around the way I take notes and organize my day. And there's all kinds of cool stuff in there for drivers. And we hardly ever talk about it. Um, But you can actually get that journal for free right now. Free. Remember how we talked about this? All you have to do is spend $150 in the store. And then we'll, we'll throw in a free journal. And all you have to do is just add the journal to your cart. Spend $150 in the store. Add the journal to your cart. And it will figure it out all for you and you'll get it free. So I agree I should promote the store more, but uh, I get all wrapped up in the calls. So thank you for the reminder. All right, final call of the day. We're going to go north of the border. Colin in BC, welcome. Hey, how are you doing today? Second time I've called in as the last caller. Uh, I wrote a few notes down. Uh, some of the guys here that run older trucks, talking about having issues not being able to hear your show well. Amazon makes some really easy-to-use Bluetooth receivers that you can connect them into. The As long as you have an auxiliary port on your stereo, 
you can connect it in there. I just got one last week. World of difference in the truck. Okay. Um, second comment, your new phone number for Canadians that don't have an international package, it can be up to 80 cents a minute to call you. So Ouch. I didn't realize that, but I did enjoy my $37 phone call with you last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I got that man. Fixed for <laughs> That's more expensive than parking a truck. Sheesh. Yeah. Oh, my well, God. Well, actually, that's... So- that's number four on my list. There's a place just in, in Edmonton. It's called Blackjacks. No fuel, but it's a fenced yard, 24-hour security. You pay your $12 to park for the night, and I think they give you $6 back if you eat at the restaurant. That's 24 hours. Um, nice. Great place. Awesome wing night. They have bike rallies and stuff in the summertime and car shows. And the place is always busy. There's always tons and then there's probably room for 70, like, I, I don't know, truck stops in the States, but you can probably park 60 or 70 trucks there. Whoa. Um, they like wide loads. and It's a big place, nice parking lot. It's always nice and smooth. But, yeah, for 12 bucks, if you need somewhere to park, we drop trailers there once in a while because it's, you know, safer than leaving it at a truck stop that's free with no security. Um, what else did I have? Oh, <laughs> reminded me, Paul, when he called in, he's been around your show for quite a while, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Paul might have been around longer on this show than I have been. I'm not sure. Well, I heard him the other day. I I like listening to the old shows like Trucking 101, and he was on there, and I think he was talking about a new truck he had, and I'm thinking that's the one he's got a million plus on right now, so I wonder if that's the same one that he got back in, like, 2016 or whatever that show was on. I think it is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny to hear his voice still sounds the same, but yeah, yeah, hearing some of those old people talking, so it was awesome. Um, my other comment is, uh, I'll round, uh, finish off with this. I got a place I haul to, this old guy, Dave, he's super grumpy all the time, which is kind of hilarious, because I always ask him, I'm like, how bad's your day today, Dave? Like, that's the first thing I say when I see him, and then he starts laughing. But I hadn't seen him in a couple months, and uh, this weekend I was kind of hard on myself, because I got into some Christmas baking and was kind of feeling down and out about, you know, needing to get back on track. Yeah. About eating better. And Dave looks at me and he's like, have you done something different? You look different. What is it? And uh, it opened up an opportunity to start telling him about, you know, what I did. I quit eating bread and, awesome. you know, basically as carnivore as possible type thing. And he started, by the time we were done, he explained about having all these aches and pains. I'm like, well, when did it start? He tells me. I'm like, well, what did you eat the day before? And he would start thinking, he's like, oh, I had four grilled cheeses, and then I had a sub for lunch, and I had pizza for supper. And I'm like, well, just a thought. Why don't you try? Go 48 hours without any bread and, you know, tell me how you feel after that. And he thought that maybe that would he, – he thought maybe he has to do something different because uh, – um, and then he's bringing up the old myth, oh, it's because I'm old. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I know some pretty old people that don't feel this way. So That's exactly right. It was a, a good uh, – a good go. boost to my more to my morale about feeling down on myself and realizing no, you just get back on the wagon and you keep doing it because this is how you live now. So. And then reach out and help somebody else, and it makes you feel even better. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Great show today, as always. All right. Thanks and for the uh, call. Will... Appreciate it. All right, guys. Final words. My final uh, word I... is that I'm thinking of right now is to treat the truck stops like you would a marina, that it's a no-wake zone. 
when I think <laughs> there shouldn't be horns being blown, Jake brakes used to slow down in a truck stop, there's people sleeping. Treat it like a no-wake zone. That's a good point. I like that. So, good, good public service announcement. I got, a, I got a little bit of a different thought here. Um, so we've all seen these little like TikTok reels and stuff on social media where they've got this guy explaining why if you drive a Tupperware truck, you're not a real trucker and how they respect tradition and <laughs> they respect this and they respect that. And because they respect all this, this somehow makes them better than somebody who drives a different type of truck. I just the kind of a thing there. Look up the definition of bigotry and then watch that video and tell me what y'all think. <laughs> <laughs> well, go a step farther than that. How about what carrier you drive for? I'll never forget there was a driver that drove for yeah. a carrier out of Phoenix that gets beat up all the time, and there was no yeah. place to sit, and he invited me to sit with him, but he said, you may not want to sit with me when you know who I drive for. I said, I don't care who why you drive that care? for. I know. Why would anybody <laughs> care about that? Seriously. Uh, I mean, this stuff is getting, it's getting, I'm catching so much heat on the Schneider stuff. I, I giggle about it. It doesn't hurt my, but I can understand and why some people would get kind of depressed about this because people are constantly beating, oh, you haul for free, you're the problem, you're the piece of crap of the industry. It's, it's, it's all bullshit. Yeah. And it's just, you know, this, this bigoted attitude that people have, you know, based on the color of a trailer you pull makes somebody better than somebody else. That is the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> and it's a huge problem in our industry. Yeah, and when, when lay people look at our industry and they hear oh. this stuff, they got to be hey, thinking we're all kooks. Hey, because well, well, that's just completely nuts. Uh, you know, another Joel, thing that's. They um, want to improve highway safety and they pick on orange trailers and they pick on trailers that have some blue lettering on them. You know, sure. if they really want to improve highway safety, if you go on the statistics, they would ban white trailers because most tractor trailer <laughs> crashes I see have white trailers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, but no, it, this, this whole bigoted attitude is worn like a badge of honor and a very core group of what we will say old school drivers, you know. And look, I have no problem with somebody saying, look, I like to drive this this old boxy looking truck because sure. it's a throwback for me. Uh, my, my grandpa done it. I respect my grandpa. I get all that. But don't tell me because you do this, it makes you better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's yeah. the problem. Well, no, you're, that you're, is the core problem. You can do so, all that, and that is fine. But when you start to say this makes me better than you because I do this, that's a problem. Look, so, I'm a Volvo guy. I love Volvo trucks. There are very specific reasons why I like Volvo power, and I'll try to explain those power. Never once have I ever said, "Look, I drive a Volvo, and I'm way better than you do because you drive a Kenworth." That, well, let that, me. That's not what's happening. Uh, let me give you an example. Here. Same here. I mean, I have my reasons. I like Freightliner in Detroit, but yeah, but, I, I never drive down the other ones. I stand on my numbers, and there it is. And when we talk about respecting old school, I don't know anybody that goes more old school than I do. My, my uniform's based on the late 1940s to early 1950s. There you go. How hey, old school do you want to go? Here's a place where they're actually, <laughs> the, these two groups that I have been talking about lately are, are taking this to a new level. These groups are actually now fighting and promoting for the fact that you should not be allowed to lease to a carrier. 
You're, you're not a Just real not. owner operator, Imagine according that. to them, and that that should not exist. You, they 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 want to see that go away. Mm, crazy. Uh, yeah. Why? 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 What? What possible yeah. reason do? Well, and and at the same time, they're promoting unions. Like they can't even make up their mind if this is about businesses or or employees, or they they get all or these issues all mixed up together. And and now it's well, the the independent contractor model. Those people are just being taken advantage of. Wait a minute. I'm an adult. Hey. I will decide when I'm being taken advantage of and when I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kevin. Basically, they're saying, look, look, we are smarter than you. Yes. We will figure this out for you. You're not yeah, smart that's what enough saying. to do this on your yep. own, and we will take care of you. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. Kevin, we're going to go down another rabbit hole. <laughs> well, we, we, we don't have much time, so if you've got another comment, you better make it quick. Well, that, that that was going to be my comment. No, that we're going down. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we could do it. We, we could do it. We could go on for another hour with all that. Easily. All right. We're going to wrap it up then. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Um, I will be back on Monday, and hopefully I am somewhere west of Denver by then. Like, likewise, Kevin, and tell, tell David I said hello, please. And That will happen here in the next uh, five track. minutes. Yep, I will let him know. All right, thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.